This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management. The International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers, Local Union 98, is a proud sponsor of The Labor Show with J. Doc and Krause every Saturday night from 6 to 8 p.m. IBEW Local 98's highly trained and superbly skilled electricians are the best in the business, setting the highest safety standards in the electrical industry. So when you're planning your next industrial, commercial, or residential project, choose an IBEW Local 98 union contractor. Learn more at IBEW98.org. Now on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia, The Labor Show. Jay Doc and Krause. If we don't move in our own direction, we're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by the law offices of Pond, Lehockey, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. This is a special edition of The Labor Show with Jay Doc, Krause, and John Doherty. And our number two of The Labor Show. With Jay Doc and Krause, this is, of course, the John Doherty Hour as we come to you on a Saturday night. We're live here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT Draft Weekend uh, here in Philadelphia. We'll get Philly's biggest fan, John Doherty. We'll get uh, a couple of quick thoughts from Doc. I'm looking forward to my one-on-one with Philly's biggest fan to break down and analyze the entire Eagles 2022 draft. John Doherty and all things aside, all kidding aside, all jokes aside, looks like Howie Roseman did a pretty good job uh, with the draft this year. Um, still, um, uh, still to be determined, but boy, it looks pretty good on paper. Yeah, I agree. I, you can't argue with Howie right now, and you know I've occasionally been tough on him, and uh, you know I thought that he played to the future too much, but uh, in this case, he. I think he did a great job. He maximized everything you could get, and the trade was amazing. You know, I mean, you get you get a big time receiver. We haven't really had anybody like that since Terrell Owens. Yeah, no, and you know, I I just couldn't bring myself to ring your phone on what was started out to be Thursday night, and then became Friday morning to do our uh, draft day one recap you and I on the pick but my focus was not going to be on Jordan Davis even though I'm extremely excited about Jordan Davis I wanted to get your thoughts about AJ Brown uh, and that trade I thought it was I thought that was a magnificent move by Howie and then I wanted to get your um, uh, your uh, impressions later on uh, about that Eagles later pick uh, on uh, which later came up uh, on Friday but that trade gives them real power gives Jalen some weapons uh, and as you saw from the um, Jacob draft special presented by IBEW Local 98 as you saw the energy dock and the buzz around the trade was pretty spectacular well I think the, I think the whole night had a buzz about it I mean look I love baseball okay I wanted to I'm still a crazy Flyers fan and again I'm just a I just watch everything and but this is a football town and I had more people talk about the draft than I talk about MB getting hurt. Right. Okay. So, I mean, it's just, it's, it's town, especially the construction industry. And Local 98 is a big, you know, uh, Eagles uh, union. Everybody in there talks about it all the time. I think Jordan Davis might be the best pick we've made in years. He's a monster. He blows the middle up. Absolutely. Okay. 
the Kobe Dean. Okay, he's a missile. Love you know, it. whatever they said were wrong with him, his pec muscles or whatever, keep talking because I'll take that guy any day of the week. I wanted to grab him with the second pick of the first round. Absolutely. I was you thinking know? this. Listen, John, I wanted, especially after I saw the national championship game, I wanted Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean. Okay. Uh, think about this right now. You, you, you got like uh, Booger McFarland sitting there saying, well, I don't understand this uh, this draft. Um, they needed some uh, some edge rushers. Whoa, 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 whoa! We got blown up up the middle on on you know last year the entire year. Okay, Fletcher Cox was, you know, he was uh, gasping for air. I mean, and we're small on the line. We now got somebody up the middle who's a dump truck. Okay, and and then of course with Nicobe Dean. Un, uh, just literally unbelievable. And then the Cam Jurgens, by the way, guess who? Guess who is the one that scouted them? Gave the Eagles the, the go, the, the, the go ahead. That'd be Jordan, Kelsey, right? Right. It was Kelsey. Kelsey's the one. They've been right. asking the Eagles for two. Uh, the Eagles been asking them for two years. Who, what, you know, reminds yourself of you? And, and he picked this guy. And, and, and of course, AJ Brown. I mean, I, well, I, I was confused. Be I, I, I said Jordan Davis in terms of. Um, I was referencing Jordan Davis in, in terms of his teammate, Nicobe Dean, yeah. uh, you know, both Bulldogs. That, so I got confused on what oh, you were yeah. saying. I mean, just just an incredible draft, John. I mean, I, I couldn't be happier with it. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't, you know, I just think it's uh, Howie did an amazing job, man. I think there were about three or four teams that did a really good job. I think the Jets, you know, we had Davis here in our, you know, uh, HR department. He did a great job with the Jets. They had an amazing draft. The Ravens seemed that, you know, I mean, I don't know – they they always seem to pick the five or six guys that I hope the Eagles get, you know. But you can't argue with anything the Eagles did. And uh, the good part, we might have a connection here, Joe. I was thinking about this. Right. You know, if anybody's seen Jordan Davis, okay, I think he might want to borrow that blazer you've been walking around in town with. You have that new suit. I think you and him probably can. You oh, probably yeah, can yeah, lend him right. that suit. Good point, John. He's you a mean, big it? dude, man. He is. <laughs> he you is. see him? Yeah. Oh my God. He's and and you know we ran a four seven eight in the forty, you know. And, yeah. and John, I mean, I just I, I I was so excited when they took him. Although I was a little shocked because I, you're one. You, you've said to me many times, never give up on your dream. I kept my my the, my phone lines you know free the entire weekend, and once again I was overlooked. Hey, let me share something. Let me Go share ahead. something about Jordan Davis. Go ahead. Literally, what seven weeks ago. At the Maxwell Awards, mm-hmm. Jordan Davis in town, get College Defensive Player of the Year recipient at the Maxwell Awards. I'm telling you, as humble as the day is long, it was incredible to listen to him speak. Really good stuff. His mom was there. All kinds of good stuff. It was a really, no, really get, cool moment. It was incredible. Let me ask John your thoughts on uh, Embiid, because I'll tell you what. I mean, you know, Philadelphia, if it wasn't for draft day yesterday, I mean, and today and, and, and Thursday, I mean, it would have been a complete utter talk of the town, you know, as if it wasn't already. Uh, just devastating, man. Yeah, look, you know, there's – that's been a rough series. I thought there was a lot of cheap shots on that. I thought that, you know, from the start, Toronto was taking runs at him. You know, um, and you know, I'm frustrated right now. You know, he probably shouldn't have been in the game at the time. But, you know, I mean, that's hindsight. Left. Right. Yeah, I know hindsight. You know, and you know, you don't want him. I, I wasn't worried about getting an orbit broke. I was worried about spraying in an ankle. You know, but uh, for some reason, I think you're going to see him once he gets out of concussion protocol. 
I think he'll be in. There's no way that he's going to move this close. You know, they'll come up with some type of mask, and he'll, you know, again, it'll obviously have an effect on his uh, uh, performance. But for some of the, the older guys listening who are NBA fans, you know, let's, I'm hoping for like another Willis Reed, let him come out, have, you know, 30, 15, and 10 oh, his yeah. first game back with some big mask on, you know? Yeah, and, 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 and no question about it. I mean, you know, you tw- we were up 29. We were up 29 with like under four minutes left. No, no, you know, chance he should have been in there. Um, and of course, you don't expect it, but it's it's a poster uh, situation for for making sure you get your people out there, your, your top people out of the game. The John Doherty Hour gets started here on Talk Radio twelve ten WPHD. Good lineup of guests tonight. We'll get to the first break. We'll get to our first break. We'll pick it up on the other side. Back in a moment. Tonight's edition of The Labor Show is sponsored in part by IBEW Local 98 North, UFCW Local 1776, Sheet Metal Workers Local 19, and the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, DC 21. This whole nonsense about not giving workers the right to organize with so-called right to work, that's bad. Something like that comes to my desk, I'll veto it, not just because I'm a Democrat, not just because I'm pro-labor, but because I know for a fact that's not very smart. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Still to come, Wayne Miller, business manager, Don Sweeten, business agent of Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, will join us around 738. Uh, so we'll have Wayne and Don uh, into the show. Jay Doc, Philadelphia Fire Commissioner Adam Teal is on deck. We'll bring him into the show in just a moment. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, we... we we talked about safety issues in the in the first hour, workers workers memorial, and all those things. And nobody knows uh, about that type of stuff more than Philadelphia Fire Commissioner Adam Teal. Uh, Adam, thanks so much for joining us. Absolutely, thanks for having me. And and this year has been a particularly difficult year in in, in the city of Philadelphia uh, for fire fatalities. Um, and and you know we've all seen the pain. Um, and obviously you're on the front lines. Talk about that, that in your opinion, the primary causes of these, uh, of these fires. Um, and, you know, what, what can we do to, to, to uh, make sure that they, they don't happen on a regular? No, I appreciate that. You know, the, the primary causes of fires in Philadelphia are fairly similar to the causes uh, around the nation and in no particular order, uh, heating, cooking, smoking, electrical, and open flames, which are, you know, candles or any other type of open flame. And and, and having said that, though, you, you, you recently made a, a public and emotional plea to city policymakers to focus on more equity to prevent uh, these types of situations. Um, talk about that. Yeah, you know, I don't know that that was necessarily a plea to our uh, our policymakers. You know, we've had great support over the past six years and uh, reinvesting in the fire department from Mayor Kenny from city council, you know, really is kind of a plea to everyone. As we're fond of saying, uh, fire is everyone's fight. That's really true. Fires are burning hotter and faster than ever before. So despite the incredible work of our firefighters, our medics, our dispatchers, our fire marshals, Unfortunately, as fast as we get there, and last Sunday, uh, tragically, was an example of this, two minutes, our firefighters were on the scene and getting inside that row house that was already already had fire blowing out all the front windows. Uh, even that was, was too late. So it's really important that everybody 
first of all, I appreciate how you started, prevent fires. Uh, then, of course, have smoke alarms. And if you're fortunate enough to have residential sprinklers uh, in your home, you want to make sure that those are properly installed and inspected, too. And, and when you look at the uh, the high-rise buildings, I ha- had the misfortune of uh, working on one meridian after the fire. And lit- and, and we, we had walked up, and there were some uh, obvious issues there where we lost um, some firefighters and um, we were, you know, after we were putting, we were netting the, the building uh, after, so so debris didn't fall on the street while you know while they were taking it down. Um, and we're going to have Wayne Miller on the program, sprinkler fitters, uh, business manager. They they handle uh, you know obviously the sprinkler systems in these in these uh, high rise buildings. Um, how important is it uh, for our, our our firefighters and obviously uh, you know our you know, individuals like Wayne Miller? Um, to advocate on, you know, for, you know, for situations that protect our public, um, because we just take it for granted that, you know, obviously there, you know, we, every every uh, you know, every high-rise building is is up the code and, and and situations like that. Yes, and that's really not the case. Uh, there are very few building and fire code provisions that uh, have been made retroactive over the years, so we still have a lot of unsprinklered high-rise buildings and mid-rise buildings, all types of buildings uh, in Philadelphia, across Philadelphia. And the real challenges from unsprinklered high-rises were uh, on point in the tragic fire in New York that was shortly after the fire we had in the Fairmount neighborhood on January 5th, uh, where really you see without sprinklers, uh, you can end up having smoke in the Exit stairways, I mean, look, as far as I know, uh, still, there has never been a um, large loss fatality incident uh, in a fully sprinklered building where the sprinklers were properly installed, maintained, and operating at the time of the fire. So uh, sprinklers really do save lives, uh, full stop. Uh, Of course, it's a real challenge as a city, you know, to kind of go back in all of the different buildings that we have and install those. So really, that's the kind of thing we're really hoping that building owners, homeowners uh, will help. You know, you really can make a difference in your own safety by, you know, if you don't have sprinklers, installing smoke alarms, keeping your door closed at night, and of course, preventing fires in the first place, because fire is everyone's fight. Philadelphia Fire Commissioner Adam Teal joining us here uh, on the John Doherty Hour. Let's get John into the conversation. John, I know you've have made so had so many of your own uh, efforts, Local 98 efforts, to kind of support what um, Fire Commissioner Teal just uh, referenced. Weigh in, if you will. What's your thoughts on what's at what we've talked about so far? Adam, thank you. Yeah, the good news is that for years, we always had a great working relationship, not only the Philadelphia Building Trades, but Local 98 with the fire department. And then we went a period of time where, you know, it seemed that, you know, our toughest issue was, you know, fighting brownouts and helping the fire department keep their facilities open. And then all of a sudden, it only takes one big fire to remind everyone that, you know, little things like smoke detectors, you know, until we get to the bigger, you know, economic issues and get some resolve for that. Uh, but smoke detectors, for years, we worked in partnership, and, you know, and, and this fire commissioner's done a fabulous job of staying connected to the community. He works with all the administrations, and, you know, I mean, I don't think, I don't think he can uh, do anything other than what he's doing and what he's talking about. I mean, smoke detectors, and, it, again, coming from the electrical industry, 
you know, and having most recently retire, which is a good thing for this conversation because I basically was an economic development guy. I was a guy who thought outside the box and tried to get things built. East Market Street, Navy Yards, things like that. The young journeymen who followed me up as business managers, Mark Lynch. Mark's history was in the safety industry. He was actually a safety director, and, and he made his most recent, you know, that a boy's working through the, the COVID pandemic. You know, so Mark's a great contact right now. And I know Mark's going to be reaching out to the commissioner, but these smoke detectors, you know, we should have them, but every, and it sounds, you know, self-serving, but unless they're hardwired, okay, that's the only way you can almost guarantee they're there. And even in that case, people knock them off, you know, because they go off, you know, too easily. And a majority, and you'll see a majority of the deaths occur in situations like we had. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, we have to take care of the residential housing first. And we just have to make sure that they're, they have smoke detectors. They understand. But it's difficult. You know, we're loaded with poverty in this area. You know, how do you not? Look, I, I, when people say, oh, there were 20 people in a house, I can tell you three or four different times in my life where, you know, part of our families were having hard times and they wound up staying with us and even living with us for a while. Not yeah, that that's right. I mean, you know, we, but it's just a difficult thing. And, you know, you got you to come up with a formula. It's not, it's, it's, it's probably easier to hardwire, okay, than it is to do some of the other stuff. Wayne has been a massive, I mean, besides, and Commissioner, you can comment on it. You know, I don't know exactly. I know Wayne's been one of the largest advocates for making sure we have the risers that go all the way up the high rises, you know, and, and make sure that the firefighters had access to water on every floor. And I have to, and I have to tell you, Commissioner, and, and you know, since since my wife Celia's been you know really sick, we haven't lived at home in Montmorency Avenue in a long time. We're living in an apartment which is right across the street from McGee for not only convenient purposes but to save her life. There's been three or four different times in the apartment complex I live where there's been a fire alarm. I have to tell you, the response to, from the Philadelphia Fire Department is amazing. By the time you hear the alarm go off. Okay, and thank God, most cases, it's just late night. Worst case scenario is somebody leaving their bacon on too long. Okay, but you look out the window, and there's every bit of three or four pieces of equipment already there, people running up the steps. The guys are the most underpaid, underappreciated, you know, right alongside the, the police department. But the, the firefighters, you know, I ain't scared of too many things, and uh, but fire is one of them. And I just can't thank you enough. And whatever, you know, I would love to hook you up with Mark Lynch. And, you know, he's a safety guy at heart. I'd love for, you know, help you make sure that every place has a fire alarm. I know your guys do it. But in, in, even in a case if we can start to even market something. And when we, when we can, and, I, and Wayne's going to get on, and Wayne and me will talk about this again. But, you know, when we talk about giving back tax abatements and things like that, we should start using some of them things so that the people have, you know, the only thing that holds us up is the economics you know, and, you know, in, in finished buildings, you know, people tell you it almost shuts a building down unless you're renovating it. Okay. But we should, when we, when we have tax abatements and tax incentives and things like that, we should use them to make sure, our, you know, our brick and mortar are safe too. Yeah, John, appreciate all those comments. I think, you know, going forward, the good news is a lot of new construction, residential, commercial, mixed use requires, uh, hardwired smoke smoke detection systems it requires sprinkler systems uh, and it's been that way for years the real challenge for us of course is the existing building stock and as you mentioned mm -hmm. you know a lot of folks smoke alarms 
you know, I can go out and buy smoke alarms, and I should. You know, if you can afford to buy smoke alarms, please go do that and make sure you have working smoke alarms with the the sealed 10-year lithium-ion battery on every floor of your home. If you can't afford smoke alarms, you can call 311, and the fire department will come out, or one of our partners like the Red Cross will come out. We've installed that way almost 50,000 smoke alarms over the past five years, yet we're still finding fires in places that don't have smoke alarms. So uh, we, we can get those, we, but we really want folks to you know take responsibility for your safety by preventing fires, uh, by making sure you have those smoke alarms close to your door at night. If you're considering a renovation, if you're really going to do a renovation, think about it. Even if it's not required, think about putting sprinklers in your building. That's really the best way, particularly with fires burning hotter and faster than ever before, to protect yourself and your family. So remember, fire is everyone's fight, and please stay safe. Commissioner Teal joining us here on the John Doherty Hour here live on a Saturday night on Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Commission, one last question for you. Um, I do want to give you an opportunity, if you don't mind talking about, I think, what's a tough conversation, um, and that's the post-traumatic stress um, and the challenges that your members are must deal with um, when involved either in directly fighting the fire or the aftermath of fighting the fire. Tough stuff. It is. It's definitely something, you know, we do about a thousand emergency incidents on average every 24 hours, emergency medical runs, fire incidents, working fires, seven to eight a day on average. So it really is something, you know, we see folks, our folks are seeing things that some folks never see in their entire lives uh, on a daily basis. So, uh, we do a lot with uh, with Local 22 and our other groups to make sure that we provide services, whether it's peer counselors through our health plan, uh, our own EAP. It's never going to be enough uh, to take care of our folks. They see so much, and we know that we're exposed to a lot of post-traumatic stress. But, uh, you know, we'll keep working. Uh, we'll keep trying to support our members as we do uh, while they continue to take care of our residents, businesses, and visitors all across the city. Yeah, amen to that statement. Uh, well done, well stated. Uh, Commissioner Adam Teal joining us here uh, live on a Saturday night on the John Doherty Hour. Commissioner, thank you so much, man, for taking time here on a Saturday night. Um, and keep up, um, pardon the pun, keep up the good fight. Uh, we're right in there with you. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Check those smoke alarms. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, Thanks, Adam. All right, good stuff with, uh, from Commissioner Teal. Uh, we'll get to a commercial break. Um, this is the John Doherty Hour, Spirited Conversation, on the other side, back in a moment. This edition of the Labor Show is sponsored in part by Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, Laborers District Council, Steam Fitters Local 420, and the International Union of Operating Engineers Local 542. We're going to try to work with Republicans in a bipartisan way to find solutions to what really is not working. And back here live on the John Doherty Hour again. Special thanks uh, to Commissioner Teal for joining us uh, in our opening segment. As Doc mentioned, coming up uh, shortly, uh, Wayne Miller uh, will be with us. Don Sweeten will be bit with us. Both Sprinkler Fitters Local 692 will we'll, we'll kind of piggyback J Doc off of. Uh, Commissioner Teal's conversation um, a little bit. John, before we bring Wayne and Don uh, into the conversation, I don't know to the extent or to the limit that you can you can speak, but you're in the news. You were in the news this past week. Um, if you can speak on it, I'd love for you to comment on it. If not, I'll move right through the program, brother. 
Well, I'll give you I'll give you a quick look, and I'm going to say a couple things tonight. Uh, you'll you'll actually two things will occur. One, I'll be short in 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 the way I talk about it, which is unusual. And the other thing is I'll give the uh, Philadelphia Inquirer a lot of credit, which I normally don't do. All you have to do is read the article, okay, and it's perfectly explained what occurred, you know. And uh, there's some there's uh, there was a situation where you know I went to trial without a wall with Bobby Heenan, and I'm preparing for another one without uh, having the complete. Uh, information that should have been supplied to me under my constitutional rights. Okay. And all you have to do, it's under FBI informant in John Doherty's inner circle recorded more than 30 conversations with him and had a couple meetings with me. Now you never expect that anywhere, but primarily in the labor community, you know, uh, number one, you know, if I would have done anything wrong, you know, in them 30 conversations and other meetings, you would have known about it. Obviously, I didn't, uh, but it's just ridiculous. It's just a matter of a long list of things that if we don't ask the right questions, this probably never comes to light. If you read the article, you'll read that a lot of people, including the judge, were very visibly upset about it. And, and in you know the article itself, when you read it, you'll, uh, you'll see that even the judge himself said that this could have a great effect on in my previous and present, you know, issues. So we'll leave it at that. Go and read that article. It's super self-explanatory. It's still up on philly.com. It's under the headline, you know, 30 conversations were taped and assorted meetings with me as I was preparing for my defense and yeah. communicating with people. Now, you know, it's, it's crazy, but when I write the book, the long list of what has occurred, you know, to get me in the position I'm in, you'll realize that everything that, that I did will be minor compared to the activities that put me in this position that were done by people who get paid to protect the law. Yeah, read the article. Yeah. I mean, sit, read the article. I don't know how it's, the read, no matter how That's, long it takes. When you get to the end of the article, it's a freaking absolute no-brainer. I don't even understand why we're still having the conversation based on that article. That's absolutely. all I'm going to say. I don't want to bounce the show into a different direction, but that's what I'm going to say. Absolutely agreed. Um, we'll segue. Can from I? There. Can I? Can, can I? Can I move in there? Can I move in there? You talked about something really important. Okay, post-traumatic stress. You talked about that. Okay. Well, there was another really good article which I would hope that you know some would take a look at. Um, and most recently, it was a, my good friend, Battalion Chief John Narkin. Okay, he's a firefighter who has been fighting an unbelievable battle, okay, uh, with a not a post-traumatic stress, with an actual, you know, carcinoma that, you know, he was, he picked up on a job site. You know, people questioned it, and you know, I'm a friend of the administration, but I was completely sickened by their response. Okay, once the award came out, and they made it look like an agreement came because they mitigated litigation. No, they should, you know, when people go to work, when they become firefighters, and they run into these buildings, and I know the mayor's sensitive to that because I heard him a hundred times tell the story about how many times he smelled smoke on his dad when he came home because his dad was a very active firefighter. Okay, I, this guy was my neighbor. He lived less than four, I think three or four doors for many years. 
He was a great neighbor. He was unbelievably great to my wife during her illness. Okay, he's a great father. He was a great union member. He was a great firefighter. Okay, and I, when you read the article, you know, if he didn't have a union, and people like Breslin and my good friend Chucky McQuilkin, who's also, you know, the vice president down there, or a second streeter, yep. they went to bat every day in a week. Okay, and finally, they came to an agreement. And the good news is, you know, John is doing, you know, stable right now. I haven't seen him in a while. We stay in communication, you know, a little text here and there. But uh, he's a great person. You know, I hope that God has, you know, uh, a better place for him and, and uh, some of these other people have had for him through his illness. He is a great guy, great family man, and I am happy and I'm glad that he's done it. And I know him. And if you went to, were to get him on a radio show tonight, he would not talk about the award being for him. He would say that he's opened the door for other people. That's just the way he is. You know, so I want to send, you know, that boys out to the fire for, firefighters union. You know, and I, I know deep down inside, you know, there's a lot of people inside the administration. I know Richie Laser and people like that, you know, always wanted to make sure this guy was taken care of. But, you know, and, and shame on you know, people that get paid to make comments. Once in a while, no comments better than opening your mouth. Absolutely. Well said, John. Um, and, you know, along this along this line, uh, you know, I'm, I'm ecstatic to bring in uh, Wayne Miller, business manager, Don Sweeten, business agent of Sprinkler Fitters Local 692, talking about firefighting and fire prevention. Nothing prevents a fire. We heard that from the commissioner, the Philadelphia Fire Commissioner, more than sprinklers. Uh, I'm not sure if you heard that, Wayne, but, um, you know, yeah. you, you know, you know, it's, it, you know, it's what you say every day. Mm-hmm. You're right, Joe. It, it, the thing is, is that uh, we got great firefighters in the city of Philadelphia. One was my brother. He was a captain on the fire department. Uh, the thing is, is that uh, it's personal to all of us. We we, we want to save lives, whether it's the firemen's lives or, or just a regular person losing a home or losing a high rise. And uh, the thing is, is that what happens is, is our, our elected officials have to have the heart to implement certain things. Philadelphia had a great thing early on in 91. There was a terrible tragedy at the One Meridian where three firemen lost their life. Uh, We got a uh, high-rise law in the city, uh, but again, through the, you know, we we got the commercial part of the building where nobody nobody lives in, uh, and we didn't get the residential. The thing is, people take the the path of least resistance because, you know, you got the uh, building owners, you got the uh, condo owners, you have uh, associations that they, they were scaring their people and saying the direct course would go right back to the tenants uh, or the, uh, the renters or whatever. So with that, we had to take commercial. And in light of the last couple fires, one in Philadelphia uh, it, it, that happened it, 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 uh, over in Fairmount where all the children and, and adults got killed, and also in uh, New York. New York was public housing. So was the, the home in Philadelphia. <clears throat> the, the people that ran these did nothing wrong. The, the thing is, is that uh, they weren't required to have sprinklers in them. Okay. If they were built today, they would require sprinklers. So laws have to be changed to do that. And the thing is, I've been fighting for high rise legislation for 20, about 25 years. And Doc will tell you, a good friend of Doc, myself and Pat Gillespie, uh, Senator Santorum, was the first guy that had the heart to help push this. So what we need to do is we need uh, laws that, that, that 
that help people uh, afford to do this. Now, right now in, in, in Congress, in the House Ways and Means Committee, I have a, a depreciation bill, which Rick Santorum started 20 years ago. And what that does, that, uh, you, it gives you the ability to, on high-rise retrofits, buildings that are not sprinkled yet. They give you the ability to write, the, write that cost of, uh, of the sprinkler system off. Uh, right now, you can't depreciate um, uh, a residential uh, building with sprinklers for 39 years. Uh, for commercial, it's 29. Well, what this tax bill does, which is in the House Ways and Means Committee, and the, the, the subcommittee chairman is Bill Pascarell out of New Jersey, and the, this gives you the ability to write that off in 15 years. That is huge. That's one thing. That's for high-rises, whether it be public housing or, or, or private or anything else. So that's the, that's the issue. There, I have two other bills going in, in, in Congress. I have one in the House, it is 2638, and I have one in the Senate, is 265. Now, what that does is that, that, that takes in public housing, okay? That allots $25 million a year up to 10 for 10 years to do strictly sprinklers in public housing. That's it. That's what that does. Then I have another bill that uh, is pending in, 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 well, I shouldn't say it's a bill. It's, it's uh, something that uh, the built back better uh, program. Uh, President Biden allotted $65 billion for public housing upgrades. That has everything to do with sprinklers and doors and windows and things like that. So there's the bills that we're working on. We've been working on these for a long time, especially the sprinkler and center back. Now what we have since the fire in New York and Philadelphia, we have introduced a bill for high-rise uh, high residential. Like I said, we have the commercial because of the, the, the Meridian fire. Now we have the, the, the ability, hopefully the opportunity, to sprinkle high-rise residential buildings. And now it should be a little bit easier because uh, a few years back, Don can talk about that, that they, they converted dry standpipes to wet standpipes. When they did that, they had to have the infrastructure, uh, and this is all buildings, which the, this commercials were taken care of, but the residential high-rise had the infrastructure put in, and they, got, they had eight years to do it. That is done. Okay. Now, that, so when you go to sprinkle a high rise now, which is which it, Mark Squillo and Catherine Gilmore Richardson introduced in uh, in a council uh, a week or two, a couple of weeks back. Now the infrastructure's in. All they have to do is run the lines and the mains down the floors. Half of it's done. So that hopefully that should be easy to to get it get passed, and it would be uh, less evasive on what would it cost to get that done. So Don can speak to it, to that and, and, and things like that, what the pressures are and stuff like that, which uh, I'll let him talk about that. Don, okay? feel free to jump in, good my e friend. Good evening, guys. How you doing? And I'd also like to thank Commissioner Thiel for advocating sprinklers. And he's right. I mean, you know, there's a lot of areas of city uh, that is less economically uh, advantaged as others. And, and poverty causes people to act out of necessity. You know, alternative power distribution, alternative heating methods, occupancy issues, manipulating the components to meet a need. All these things expose that environment to a higher fire risk than is code compliant, you know, or power distribution. And the occupancy, like uh, John said, you know, the occupancy of these places in poor uh, communities, you know, people, necessity 
they they have to live where they have to live. And, you know, all that caused a problem. But what Maureen spoke about, back in 2007, uh, they, they introduced some language. Well, it was the deadline of the language that the all buildings, including residential, had to install a water supply to meet the demand that the fire department required with fogging nozzles, which is getting too technical, but 100 PSI at the very top of the riser. And so that was done. So these buildings have, we'll call it the heart. They have the heart there. Uh, you know, and, and sprinkler, fire sprinkler laws, they chase disaster. Since January 9th in that high-rise residential fire in New York, 17 people died, eight of them children. One of them was a four-year-old child. 44 people, 34 of them were under 18, were injured. And the, investiga- the investigation found it was an electric space heater. It ignited a mattress and it, you know, for a prolonged period. And what sprinklers do, they had your bet to protect human interference against that code or product design. So, you know, and when the legislation was passed in 91, residential was taken out of that for, you know, whatever reason. Political, political reasons, probably. Right? Yep. yep. Mm-hmm. But roughly 85% of all fire deaths occur in residential settings. And, and you heard the amazing. commissioner. I don't know if you heard the commissioner, but he said that it, he it, and I think it's if I was listening to him right, that he can never recall, uh, it, you know, fire deaths ever happening um, with, with so, a sprinkler, a fully sprinkled building. Two things with that. So one, since in '91, when the high-rise legislation went in for commercial buildings, there's never been a loss of life in a commercial building to fire. There you go. None mm-hmm. since '91, mm-hmm. and then. Sprinklers have a great track record. There's never been a multiple loss of life in any building that had a functioning sprinkler system there you since go. they started keeping records. Now, so now Don, started. let me jump in there for a second because the commissioner also said you talked about buildings being grandfathered in. And I think, you know, Wayne just touched on it. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, new construction uh, you know, with, with, with high-rise buildings and all that. But there are so many buildings out there that... Um, were, were built obviously before 1991 that may not be sprinkled and you know we all have family members in those buildings okay uh, you know whether whether grandfathered or not grandfathered um, what do we do about that because you know we all know what happened what's happened in the past uh, you know and, and and how do we prevent a tragedy like that so as wayne said legislation is addressed right now file number 220299 and it's amending Chapter 11 construction requirements for existing buildings. And what they're looking to do is remove the exception that was put in there, F-1103.56. You know, residential group R2, which encompasses these apartment buildings. You know, like you said, when you're building a new one, those individuals are protected by these systems. Are, there, are the people that live in these older buildings' lives any less valuable than the ones that, you know, live in a newer building? Exactly. What? And, and, I'll, ask, and I'll ask Wayne. What, what yes. I meant by that was what can the general public do right now, and in particular those people, to help get that, that legislation passed, uh, particularly people in buildings that, you know, are in harm's way and may not do it. How do you, how do you, you, you had a thousand people living or working in a place, one of them smokes, leaves a cigarette, or something sure. like that happens and it burns up, and next thing you know the whole building goes and it happens to be grandfathered in. What can the general right. public do and the people what, what including the general the people public in that can building? do they can call they can call their council person and I, and I have to say that the council people that uh, that are in there right now they're very they're they're very uh, sprinkler friendly because we just had a bill passed for uh, maintenance to 
inspection, testing, and maintenance of uh, sprinkler system because there's a, a bigger concern in the city of Philadelphia uh, is what went on there for the past so many years and uh, that uh, there was never any ins- uh, inspectors from L&I going out and witnessing things. So we had to put that in. They passed it 16 to 1 uh, that you had to be a certified uh, inspector in order to, to inspect buildings. And right now, the, the council people that uh, Mark Squill and Catherine Gilmore Richester, Richardson and a lot of other council people are behind uh, getting this high-rise legislation uh, put forward. Now, there's going to be pushback from a lot of people, but the thing is, we've had already worked in buildings that, ha- that were occupied without one issue. You know, we have it down to a science, what, what has to be done. And what we do is we're professionals. We just don't go in and move everything up, uh, around. What we do is we have a, con- we have a construction uh, issue that when you go into these, uh, these buildings and we tell the people that are in here how they're going to be affected. They're very little, they have little disruption in their homes. We go in, we get the job done, we, we run the, the, the mains down the hallway, we, we, we do everything that works exactly right, we make the penetrations into the walls, and uh, we put deco shield up, and we're in that, we're, I, I guess we're in, the, in, in someone's apartment for a day, and, 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 and it's done. So for a day's worth of disruption, okay, it can save your life. Uh, so that's what they're going to push with, with, with the, the tenants and all and have them up in arms. But we can prove that we've done a number of these buildings, okay, without one bit of interruption or any, anything that went wrong. And we do it so smoothly because we train our people to do that. And our council today is, is a very good council. They come up, they're, 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 they're fire safety and life safety friendly. They, they know what they're looking at. Before I would ask them to vote on anything, I open my hall up and my training center so they have an idea of what they are going to vote on. I don't want anybody to vote on anything if they don't know what they're voting on. And this council right now, from Kenyatta Johnson to uh, uh, every single one of the, 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 uh, the council people, uh, from Cindy Bass to uh, Cheryl Park, Cheryl Parker, all these people are, are, are fire safety friendly, and, and including Mark and, 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 and Catherine, who introduced this bill. And I believe wholly, I believe that this will pass and, and, and we'll, we'll get it done because our council people are, 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 are knowledgeable of what's going on and, 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 and they will do the right thing because, you know, it, it, it's like safety. And, and uh, I, you know, I'm really, really encouraged. More so now than ever before because half of the infrastructure's in. It's very minor what would have to be done. Little disruption and it saves lives. And people are, people, a lot more people have courage now to make hard decisions to do these things. And, and, and Philadelphia is, is, is the, the, you know, you can put their poster child for doing the right thing when it comes to, to, uh, to installing these things and voting on them. The new, uh, the, the new council been in there for a number of years. They did the right thing in a number of, of, uh, of, uh, uh laws that were just passed. So Wayne I'm Miller, Don Sweet, and Wayne Miller and Don Sweeten joining us here. I don't want to run out of time before, uh, John, I'll come to you for last thoughts. We have 2.30 until uh, we say goodbye. I want to get your thoughts on this conversation. Does the public care? I'm not sure. Uh, your thoughts. 
Yeah, well, Wayne makes sure the public cares. Wayne's been doing this for so many years. Absolutely. But you heard Don. Don, in his explanation, was so detailed. He, it, it, you can tell that he's almost been speaking to, you know, congressional committees. Uh, but th- let me simplify. When he, he, he mentioned, you know, for some certain uh, uh, modernizations, I forget exactly how he, the verbiage he used. But when we were at the Redevelopment Authority and we were trying to make sure because I was at the time I was sitting on the board with Mikey Farrell from the Cement Masons, and we had a lot of good people. We were trying to make sure that every unit, you know, was if it could be sprinkled, it was sprinkled. If it could, if it, you know, everything on the simplified things like fire extinguishers and smoke detectors. Well, we were putting things in the house, and people because of the poverty, they would sell the smoke detect, uh, smell the fi- sell the fire extinguisher, and take the batteries out of the smoke detectors they use in their Game Boys and things like that. So there's a lot of, you know, simple things that can be done. Wayne's handling the simple things, and as you can tell, he's got the complicated issues down. You know, his eight-year program where he ran the wet the wet piping was a success. So, I mean, and, and everybody complied. So, you know, half the, half the battle is the information. And nobody's more informed than Wayne Miller. Well done, well stated. Wayne Miller, Don Sweeten, thank you much for joining the John Doherty Hour uh, here on a Saturday night. Fast, uh, fast uh, hour, Jay Doc. I can only give you 15 seconds. Well, I want to thank the, the fire commissioner, Adam Teal, of course, Frank Keel. And I also want to shout out to John Doherty and his wife, Seely, for getting out there and, and, and running and, and, and keeping everything healthy. The weather's here. Uh, awesome, John. We saw that on Facebook. I man. love it. Great way to end the show. This is the John Doherty Hour. On Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. See you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement from Jacob Media Partners and does not reflect the views of WPHT or its management.